right, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the TF podcast. I'm Jonathan G. Blanco. I'm super excited right now because I am chatting with Maddie Greenspan. Uh, he is uh, one of the the most most in up to date with what's going on in the economy uh, and been paying attention to the quantitative easing that's been happening and um, really been talking about it for a while before it started to take fold. And uh, I'm really excited to have him here and welcome him to the show and, and, and get his point of view. Uh, so let's go ahead and meet uh, uh, Maddie. How are you doing, man? Hi. Uh, well, having a lot of fun over here. For, uh, you know, I'm just watching the markets. It's quite exciting times. Uh, just trying to keep on top of all of the news that's coming out. Things are crazy at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's definitely crazy times. The the the, the markets are continually going down. I I I just got a notification on my phone that you know there's they're going down right now. Um, you know, tell why don't you just favor and just introduce us uh, to you for for my listeners that might not be familiar with you, um, or just kind of the level set the conversation. Sure. My name is Matt Greenspan. I'm the founder of Quantum Economics, which is a project for uh, analysis, advisory, and money management. Uh, we have an extreme focus on, uh, as you mentioned, central banks and macroeconomics, as well as crypto assets. Um, the former senior analyst of eToro, uh, which you might have heard of, and um, the author of a book called The Complete Guide to Fintech Investing, and I'm a licensed portfolio manager in the European Union. Um, that's my resume in a nutshell. Yeah, so safe to know, safe to say you, you have a, a fairly great understanding of what's happening right now. Um, so, you know, take me through really quick, you know. I don't think anybody does, Jonathan. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> this is, we're, we are deep in uncharted territory right now. That, 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 that is fair. <laughs> that is fair. So real quick before we get into the meat of what's going on today, um, you know, so so with your background, you, you know, you, you had mentioned that, yeah, you were an analyst at eToro. Uh, were you in, in just in traditional finance, I guess, before the, the you know, kind of the crypto uh, took off uh, and Bitcoin took off uh, or just got started, I should say? Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I've always been uh, into the financial markets pretty much Yeah. since I was 13. So, um, yeah, I was working with eToro for about six months and when I first heard about Bitcoin. Uh, and I instantly uh, really took to it, and I, I feel, felt like okay, finally we've got a, a, a new form of money which is unrelated to governments. Uh, yeah, a good idea. Yeah, and I know you do things like where you you have people watch your trades, or you kind of uh, you know share how how you trade, and people can can view it. They can view it for what what it's worth, of course, right? What what they want to do with it, they can make their own decisions. Um, Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and then real quick, tell me about your, your company that you, that you started not too long ago. Yeah, so quantum economics, um, there's three aspects. It's analysis, advisory, and money management. Um, the analysis, first of all, uh, actually, we're, this isn't really public information yet, but uh, the team is, is together. 
Um, I previously announced uh, my collaboration with Mr. Charles Bovaird, who is um, senior contributor at Forbes. Um, the, uh, he's, a, he's an independent uh, advisor at Moody's Analytics and is the president and founder of the Financial Writers Society. Uh, he is the VP of content at Quantum Economics. Um, and uh, we've now onboarded four analysts from around the world who are really top-notch. I mean, these are people that have vast experience in writing about uh, financial markets and stuff like that. That's excellent. That's excellent. Well, great. Well, um, you know, let's let's dive right into to the market. So, you know, I, I've been uh, following you on Twitter, and you know, definitely have have seen you uh, voicing concern over the last several months about you know just kind of what's been happening in the financial markets, and and uh, you know, basically the the potential of the <laughs> of the quantitative easing. Uh, I think it's amazing that you're taking this interview with your kids there too. By the way. That's, that's uh, that's great. My my son might pop in here at any moment just to to say anything. So I got this green screen right, and um, I was doing an interview, and he comes and he's like, "Dad, how's it green there?" But it's it's this that, and so yeah. over, over the weekend, it's actually a pretty fun thing to do with the kids. Over the weekend, I put different cities back there, and we and we chatted quite a nice. bit. <laughs> so. Um, so anyways, like, you know, you've been kind of paying attention to the QE stuff, uh, or sorry, for highlighting that for a while. And it seems like we're there, um, obviously, right, with the different stimulus. We've gone so far past there now, Jonathan. I mean, QE is, is small piece. So QE is monetary stimulus, right? It's basically monetary policy. This is from central banks. There's a difference between monetary policy and fiscal policy, fiscal stimulus, which is from the government. Right. So central banks, they're basically the ones that are in charge of the money. They're the ones who, who print money. They're the ones who uh, they do uh, quantitative easing. Quantitative easing is all about it's is basically that's monetary stimulus with the right the central banks. Uh, fiscal stimulus is something that's a lot more difficult to implement, but can be a lot more effective in many ways. Got it. Um, it's more difficult because governments are set up to be difficult to move through, like you don't want to you know, you balance the separation of powers and stuff like that. In Europe, it's damn near impossible because you know France might want to you know inject money for their citizens. For example, or Italy might want to inject money for their citizens or Spain, and Germany can say no yeah, because they've got a weird union. In the United States, it's you know it's all about the Republicans and the Democrats, right? The House of uh, you know House of Representatives and uh, Congress, um, you know, and the White House. They need to all agree on something, right? Which is why it's been taking so long for the president to get cash in the hands of citizens uh, as he's trying to do. Yeah. Um, so what we're looking at really is a new world order. There are so many things that have changed from the coronavirus and the reaction to it. Um, one of which is people working from home like we're doing now. Um, I'm going to get myself to do this. <laughs> yeah. No worries. Um, <laughs> just, just a second. Yeah, no problem. No problem. 
So yeah, Maddie's uh, right now taking uh, this interview uh, with his kids. He has uh, three young kids, so super appreciate him taking time uh, to chat with us as well. Uh, definitely something we could all relate to right now with uh, the majority of us working from home, if not all of us, um, and how we do things. Seriously. But, no hey there. Yeah. Yeah. The, so the military apparently, I just heard, is going to be moving in on Thursday wow. and uh, shutting down everything. Holy smokes. Yeah. Um, so that's where we're at. Well, actually, what's interesting now is that um, how economics is changing. So we've been seeing so much of uh, monetary stimulus from the central banks. But now we're moving into a whole new era, era of fiscal stimulus. And uh, we're moving into an era of helicopter money, yeah. which basically means the government's just raining money down on um, In one way, I, I suppose it's good because you, know, you get more money in the hands of people rather, you know, if somebody's printing money, it might as well go to the poor rather than to the rich which, you know, monetary stimulus tends to end up in the hands of bankers and um, people who don't necessarily need it anyways. Right. Uh, on the other hand, it's quite concerning because that is more than likely uh, going to cause a lot of inflation. Right. Um, it, and, and I'm assuming that if everybody has the same amount of cash, basically, it's like things just naturally go up. In addition to everything else, of course, right? But right. So imagine um, all of a sudden everybody has a hundred thousand dollars a month to spend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, they don't. You know, they're all still competing over the same amount of goods. Right. Um, so the price of the goods will go up. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That's an extreme scenario, obviously, but doesn't seem. I mean, some people have proposed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, th that's definitely been voiced here in the U.S. Uh, lately on the helicopter money. Um, you know that that was part of Andrew Yang's platform, of course. And then uh, I think Mitt Romney just kind of talked about that yesterday or the day before uh, as something that they want to make sure that they're doing. Right, right. Yeah, their helicopter money is already in place in Hong Kong. Um, and it seems like they want to do it in Spain as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's going to be difficult for them to do it there. But uh, as far as I see, this is the this is the path that the world is on right now. And obviously, it's difficult to know what's going to happen next week uh, at this point. But, and what does that mean more than? Does that mean anything? on the helicopter money like um you know as far as uh, and, and is that a country by country thing is that a, a global thing on the on the helicopter money i'm assuming bless you i'm assuming it's just where um where where it's happening in, the, in that region and so forth yeah so that's going to be uh government here in Israel, anybody who's uh, been laid off because of that rest of the uh, Large corporations, small corporations, um, 
if they realize that the entire global economy is basically yeah. last ten years, and this is just gonna, you know, whoever, you know, whatever companies were not doing well, I suppose, are just gonna get knocked down. Right. Right. Um, retailers, for example, massive amounts of retailers across the United States who they've been able to, you know, scrape by, you know, given the fact that loans were cheap, right? They're able to borrow money cheaply in order to, you know, pay their bills and stuff and keep the doors open. At this point, they're shutting down, right? They're saying they're going to shut down for two weeks, but first of all, no guarantee that after two weeks the number of cases is going to skyrocket. Right. You know, saying that okay, um, that could be that could turn into three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six totally. weeks. Yeah, and, and two months. You know, and then at that point, it's just a permanent closure. Right. Yeah. From what we've seen uh, from the countries that have been, uh, I guess, further ahead in the in the cases is, you know, th this isn't a couple week thing. This is, is definitely a, you know, even a lot of people are using China as this example right now. But even China, from when it really at least became public was what mid, you know, beginning of January. Or so into now and supposedly things are slowly getting back to normal. But at the same time, I don't know that any country took the steps that China did to that extreme yet, right? And now we're starting to see that, of course. So I think it's fair yeah. to assume that uh, a lot of these Italy's other countries, doing now. right, will we'll take yeah. a little bit longer. And, and now in Israel. Israel, yeah. And in, in, in US, they shut down uh, San Francisco. Um, you know, I, like I said, I'm in Seattle. Um, I, people in Seattle actually wish they shut it down, which is a whole different kind of interesting type of conversation too, right? Because here you are saying is like, hey, I wish you shut it down, and and for the right reasons, obviously for the health reasons and making sure that things don't happen uh, or people get sick. But then, like, what what does that do? Changing, um, you know, the fatigue or the the people's uh, how people are used to essentially operating, right? So I always find that to be interesting as well. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so the, the stock market's been crushed over the last call it week or so. Um, right. Like what was it? I think what was it? What was the, what did it start coming down at? Like about 28,000 or so. And now I think we're at 20,000 or so. 20,000. Sorry. Yeah. The Dow Jones. Right. Um, yeah. and you know, I love to understand from your perspective, why does, getting stimulus from the government or sorry uh, essentially the fed cutting rates why is that equaling the dow going down further like what what's the what's the disconnect um that the fed themselves or the people that are making those decisions are having in making those decisions and and instead of saying like hey like if we cut this this very likely would create more um insecurity in the market i'd love to get your perspective on that yeah, so right now we're looking at uh, the, probably the fastest uh, stock crash in history, right? Even, you know, the Great Depression, um, it didn't come down this quickly. And I think that what the Fed is doing, I mean, it's kind of the right moves, right? But e even they can't stop this. Yeah. What we're talking about mass closures. Uh, we're talking, the, the economy was, you know, was running at, kind of full speed 
before all this started. I mean, we, we just got the, the, the jobs numbers from February and they, they, were, they looked fantastic, right? So kind of we're in a place where everybody's employed and businesses are doing well. I mean, obviously with the life situation we mentioned earlier, but unemployment was at like a 50-year low, right? Inflation was stable and all of that. Uh, and then you have this, and this is just, you know, this is just a monkey wrench thrown into the system. I mean, everything, I mean, life as we know it has changed. Totally. I mean, significantly. And uh, people don't know whether things are ever going to be the same. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, the stock market is, is doing its best to reflect that. Yeah. 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 It's interesting because there's no, you know, in the past, sure, there's been these economic factors or, or, you know, some sort of global threat being like war, things of that. But, you know, the, the fact that, hey, there's very much this, this virus that is also preventing commerce in addition to financial reasons. To- totally see that. Um, and so what, what, what do you think, um, like what, what are, what should people be doing right now? Um, when they think about things, it, it seems like it's, if, if you're in, uh, we won't take this as financial advice, of course, but it seems like if you are, um, holding, um, your stocks or so forth, you know, you probably shouldn't be selling them at this point, but I don't know. I, like I said, I, I, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't claim to be or understand that. Uh, that, that side of things, but uh, what do you tell people to do right now, friends or, or family or so forth? So everything we've seen so far is kind of the initial shock and uh, panic of the markets, right? It's basically the initial impact. Um, the initial impact doesn't seem to be. In the meantime, we have some volatility and we can trade that volatility. If you're holding something long term, you need to reevaluate. If you're holding something that is going to be impacted uh, heavily by this virus, which is just about everything, then yeah, you should be considering uh, closing out those positions because. You don't know if you'll, you know, how long it will take to get that value back. If you feel like, you know, look, and it's possible that, you know, the the world shuts down for two months and then, you know, um, things come back to normal. It's just exactly the way it was before. Amazing. Um, But we also might be at a timeline where things shut down and then we have to really start again from scratch Um, in which case it could take decades to see this this same valuation that we saw a month ago Um, so if you're asking if you're holding a specific stock I wouldn't be able to do this my timeline is several decades yeah, it seems like it goes back to what you're talking about too. About hey, like the world is changing, right? So in that changed world, what are the what's a company that would survive it? Kind of to your point, right? And so perhaps that's kind of helps with the evaluation uh, there as well. Um, 
So, you know, let's, let's move on to just like the Bitcoin and crypto markets overall. So, uh, you know, there's, there's been some debates or discussions on Twitter, for example, about like, oh, uh, you know, Bitcoin is not a safe haven or Bitcoin not, um, you know, performing the way it quote unquote should, because some people believe that if the stock market went down, that Bitcoin would in turn go up. Um, to me, it makes sense why it would go down, of course, because if, 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 if people are liquidating, you want to you know, increase your cash position. I'd love your, your thought and an analysis on, on those different points of view that people um, say. Yeah, sure. Look, I mean, even people who would ask me several months ago what would happen to Bitcoin's prices, the answer was that it would go down. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think that um, anybody was... And if they were, probably they were ill-informed, but everybody was really saying that Bitcoin would (laughs) skyrocket in value in the case of the financial crisis. I don't think that's a good, you know, I don't think that that's a valid narrative or or ever was. Yeah. Um, What's happening at the moment is we're seeing uh, mass mass liquidations of... um, of all financial assets. So the stock market is not the only ones to take it on the chin. Uh, just about everything with value is heavily impacted. Um, commodities, oil, for example, I mean, oil is a different story right now because you have a production war going on between Russia and Saudi Arabia. But mm-hmm. silver and gold and copper, you know, just about all commodities are taking it on the chin right now. Um, you know, and, and that's what that's what's happening. People just anything that they can do that they can, they're just moving it into cash. Yeah. And that's why uh, U.S. dollars and Japanese yen they're the biggest winners at the moment in the market because people are just everybody all at once moving to cash. Now, um, you can kind of ride that trend while it lasts. We don't know how long it's going to last because, like I said, we know when the initial shock of the coronavirus will start to dissipate. Oh, it's dog's head back. <laughs> um, um, but at, at some point, the dust will settle. Yeah. At some point, we're going to get a more clear picture of what the world is going to look like post-coronavirus. Totally. And at that point, people are going to be sitting, not only companies who had access to cheap loans and blah, 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 but people who had access to helicopter money. Everybody in the world is going to be sitting on top of cash. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, what are they going to take about? They're going to want to put that cash to work. Right, right. Right. And at that point, they think we'll have some really amazing... Uh, investment opportunities. How long? Yeah. A week, a month, a year, a decade. And, and is it true that when um, you know when when essentially the markets recede on you know gold and silver and so forth, are they the some of the first to get money back into them? Or is that is, is that true or no? So I think that Bitcoin, gold, and silver are kind of uh, good um, edges against inflation because they are 
limited supply, strictly you know, supply is strictly limited. Real estate as well, right? I think these are kind of good uh, things that can hold their value more than other things. Yeah. Especially uh, well, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and so in Israel, um, you know, you're, like you said, you're just mentioning that the the government, or sorry, the the military is coming in. Um, is military is um, is Israel a place where where um, Real estate holds its value stronger than than most places. How does that? How does what's real estate like there? Or um, overall, the reason the reason I ask that is I'm curious is like how people think through in Israel, for example, of um, you know in a in a time like this, are they putting into real estate? Are they holding real estate? Uh, it seems like real estate is typically one of the the latter things to go. Um, you know, depending, of course, because of the time it takes to, to move and, and so forth, not physically move, but like to, to move the, the capital and so forth. Yeah, well, re real estate is uh, one of the most illiquid investments you can make. Yeah. Um, but also one of the most solid on just about every front. Right? You have uh, something parcel planned. Um, or a building, right, that will end up surviving through whatever happens. It's really um, an amazing uh, investment. And it will hold its value no matter what happens. It's uh, that's underlying uh, the economy, you know, the value of that. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, awesome. So, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely pretty wild and crazy times. And do you do you think this would have all happened if there wasn't the coronavirus threat? Like, would we have still seen um, uh, a market recession? Uh, perhaps not at this level of impact, but we we were headed this way, correct? Or weren't we coming? Weren't That's we coming? a really good question, Jonathan. This, and I don't know. I mean, people have been saying markets have been overvalued for a long time um but yet they continue to go up and you know part of the reason is because the fed continues to, you know, to pump money into them but um yeah i think the market has been searching for a kind of a catalyst to push down 10 percent percent. yeah i mean right now we're down 30 percent and, and no bottom in sight uh, so obviously this catalyst is, is unlike anything the world has ever seen before. Right. Um, I, I do think that if there was some kind of a you know, mild uh, shock, that we could have seen a ten percent, fifteen percent correction, yeah. uh, which would have then caused investors to simply buy back in at lower levels. Um, but no, the world wasn't heavily swinging. Not, 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 definitely not at, at this capacity or at this level, right? Yeah, this is a complete game changer. Right. And, you know, you, you seem like someone that would kind of be versed in, or, or you're probably well versed in like historical finance. How does this compare to, um, you know, what we've seen in other downturns, recessions, you know, 
from from your understanding, how does what we're going through right now compare to that? It doesn't. This is the this is the worst by far ever. Wow. Um, I I believe we were talking. We don't know yet how how bad it's going to be. The VIX has been tracking since nineteen ninety one. Uh, it's now at record highs. So this is far blown past what we saw in two thousand and eight already. Yeah. Uh, people keep comparing it to nineteen eighty seven where it was crashing pretty hard, but already broken several of those metrics. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, even the Great Depression stocks went up and down this quickly. They came down pretty quickly back then. Um, this is this is just something the world has never seen before. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Which which then means that we pro what what well how we come out of it we probably won't see that uh, or haven't seen that likely before either then which is. Uh, also, kind of crazy and interesting to think about. Yeah. Last, you know, we. I'll, I'll go ahead and wrap this up so you can get back to, uh, you know, to your to your day and so forth. So I do appreciate <laughs> you uh, taking the time. But the the two kind of last things I want to talk about real quick is, um, you know, just just one more thing about. Uh, finance, and then kind of go a little bit on the coronavirus type conversation as well. And so when it comes to, um, you know, where we're at on the financial side of things, um, what what type of events do you think need to take place for uh, a sense of normalcy? Is it just a slow and steady path? Does, does something happen? Um, is it a is it like an equal change of positivity or, or something like that that, that makes things get back to where people feel comfortable or is it just a wait out? We just have to wait things out. Um, it's a slow and steady, right? There's that saying like that markets go down like in elevators and they climb like stairs or something like that, right? Yeah. Well, if we get a, you know, so the indicator that we need to watch is the, the virus statistics, right? We need to see a leveling off of the number of cases. I mean, so far, the numbers regarding coronavirus have been quite small. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, there is a lot. There is a lot to be fearful of, and there's a lot we just don't know about this virus because it's so new. Uh, and the rate of infection, obviously, is, is quite dangerous. Um, but so far, we're looking at what is it, eight thousand. Uh, you know, casualties, which is unfortunate, but it's nowhere near the half a million, quarter of a million, half a million that die from influenza in a year. Yeah. Um, that said, it does seem like the measures being taken right now to counteract the virus will be in place at least until the numbers start leveling up. Right. So, in order to understand when this might be over, we'll need to see those numbers. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that leads me into the the last thing I want to talk to you about, which is the coronavirus itself. And you've kind of alluded to this uh, throughout the conversation, but what has it been like in uh, Israel overall? How did Israel respond to it initially? Um, and you know, what's what's it been like for you and and your family uh, during this time? 
Um, the response here has been exceptional. I mean, we closed our borders a while back already. Um, now going into uh, full quarantine. Um, it's just, uh, I mean, I think that it's, things are crazy for, for everybody these days. Um, I, I was kind of ahead of the curve. I mean, I've been working from home since November, so yeah. uh, there's that advantage, but it's a bit crazy that the kids aren't going to school anymore. Um, you know, so far, it's not much different than when the family is just has a cold or whatever. Yeah. Everybody's That's, you know, I, we've been through that, so there is a frame of reference for me anyways. Um, okay. But uh, the fact that the knowledge that this is going to last for at least another two weeks, um, probably more, um, it's a bit it's a bit difficult, I guess. I mean, yeah. it's good to spend time with everybody, but um, you know, you get uh, claustrophobia. <laughs> but uh, look, <laughs> you know, some people go to war and they fight on foreign shores. We got to sit on the couch. Right. Yeah, that's your civic duty. Um, right. Have the people have people who live in Israel been fairly um, responsive or responsible? Would you say, like, you know, for you know, in the U.S., I can say for the most part, people have been very irresponsible. What's what is people yeah. as a kind of a society? How how has that been? Yeah, nobody's fighting for toilet paper over here. I can say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One thing that we got going. Yeah. Um, we have uh, the best medical professionals in the world uh, working on the vaccine already. Estimates that we could have one within a month, even. Um, yeah, it's uh, the you know as far as uh, essentials are concerned. I mean, food, water, internet. Um, that's good that's good uh well yeah we'll have to see how things go um well uh, last question for you is you know um anything you want to leave people with uh to think about or a question that you want to ask them that they can kind of think about throughout their day oh boy what should people be thinking um, about after they're talking think about how to stay sane during these uh on quarantine times that and uh, about how the world might be different when it's all over. Yeah. And uh, come subscribe to the uh, quantum economics newsletter because uh, you get a lot of good insight there as well. Yeah. What are the best ways that um, people can follow you, connect with you, um, subscribe and so forth? Um, Twitter, uh, just about every, Random thought that goes through my head throughout the day. That's going to be on Twitter. Thank you for the more professional crowd. Um, and, uh, you know, on our website, obviously, we've got a, a whole range of services. Um, the QE newsletter is completely free, so you can subscribe. It's uh, coming every day in the email and um, is read by uh, journalists uh, in all of the biggest financial publications. Um, and uh, if you want to learn about trading, technical analysis, fundamental analysis, we've got a, a, a full course, which is quite reasonably priced if you're sitting at home and you know, learning about the markets. 
uh, great way to start. Um, Definitely. Yeah, explore the explore the website. You'll find a lot of great stuff there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, Maddie, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Um, hope you stay safe and, and safe and sane. And um, uh, look forward to kind of to continue to follow you and hear what you have to say uh, as as things progress. And uh, I'm sure we'll want to chat with you at some point in the future as well and, and kind of catch up and see how, how things have evolved and changed for you. Sounds great. Awesome. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon. Bye for now.